Sound Pages is a literary series featuring resident artists in the Jack Straw Writers Program. He used to smile like sun rays in June when he would talk about leaving things for me, but he don't smile no more. This program features the work of 2013 writer Damon Arundel. Curator Stephanie Kalis sat down with him for an interview. Language in itself is, is our way of trying to understand something. Um, and I feel like poetry in a lot of ways is literally, at least for me, it's, it's my way of trying to figure things out. It's, it's probably my main coping mechanism. And it's also why I struggle with it because the world is so confusing at times um, and frustrating and enraging and saddening, but also uplifting and inspiring. And so trying to make sense of that through words is maddening at times, um, but also really cathartic. Your story is what makes you a person. If you think back to essentially what helped us to ground ourselves to our family was the stories that we heard from each other. That's where it begins. Your parents telling you stories um, at bedtime. Stories are at the heart of what connects us. Now we'll hear a selection from Damon's live reading. All right. First thing I'm going to say, I come from the world of spoken word. And I'm also from New York, so silent audiences scare the crap out of me. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's kind of like that point in the movie where you notice that there's complete dead silence. You know something bad is about to happen. <laughs> so if you all are silent throughout this reading, I'm gonna be checking over my shoulder thinking that something's about to get me. So I encourage you to make noise in whatever way you feel fit throughout this because anytime someone is reading in front of you, you're, we're having a conversation and it doesn't work both ways unless I hear something back. So. I'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I like you already. This is called The Angel. The angel present at my birth did not have the ability to speak. So he dry heaved the tears my father would have had he released the anchor of his own jaw long enough to see past his jealousy. The angel did not stay long after that waited till the black feathers of his tips turned white with the fallen snow of my first winter, till his breath that kissed my forehead and the blessings of the dawn could be seen and my mother's daydreams and my father's night terrors. Then he took flight like a penny tossed to a well, a gentle arc with the waiting for an echo of the plunging into darkness. I don't remember any of this. Only the heat brushing my forehead in the moments before waking, like the cawing of crows in the midnight of the forest. The angel comes to visit me in times of my own grandeur being squashed. Sat perched on the roof as I packed my books of poetry into boxes. He winced for each paper cut I ignored. Stood across the street like a bystander waiting for the chalk outline to be etched when I stepped across the threshold for the last time. He bent down to caress the summer lilies in the wedding garden when I shared space with my father for the first time in ten years. The angel bit his lips for each word I said in my head, let his mouth hang ajar and tongue be tied, 
dried like a rack of lamb at the butcher shop, hanging above the counter for all the patrons to see for each of my hesitated steps. And he gazes at every ornament staked in the grass other than the man whose face I see standing across from me in the mirror each morning. The angel stares out the window, no matter where he sits in the room, each time I have considered the exit point of the blade or the transit tunnel of pills, tapping his fingernails against the sill with no rhythm in sight. Eyelids fluttering like flags at half-mast, rips feathers at the root from his right wing violently, silently screams the name of every person I have ever telegrammed my heart to, and his pony expressed it back with each yank and jerk and tosses them like cards at my feet. It doesn't matter the time of day or night. When I look at the same window, I always see his face streaked with the silken ash of my life down his cheeks the hollow bones of his wing holding the moment like the rain holds the sky, should I choose not to change the path of my flight. So this is an ekphrastic poem. It's called My Daddy's Farm. You see that quilt hanging there on the wall? Look real close like it might disappear if and you don't. That's how I always look at it. That's my daddy's farm. He say he gonna leave it to me when he gone. Used to pour grain into my hands with my eyes closed and fingers spread so I could feel what it's like to let something slip from my grasp. But I always cheated. Closed them up so I could catch a little. Never wanted to lose it all. He called this our legacy. He used to smile like sun rays in June when he would talk about leaving things for me, but he don't smile no more. You can't see it just to look at it, just like you can't see nobody's history at first glance. Daddy say, you gotta find the right angle to catch a peek of who they is underneath them flaps of skin. People like to hide their history under there. You got to step way back like you was looking down on high like an angel. See that strip of green and yellow? That's where my daddy planted corn. Daddy used to say I grew like that, but now his voice more like the ears before husking after a long winter. Takes a rough hand and a tight grip to yank free. That strip of gray right there is the fence we built and rebuilt every summer because the November wind would take to it like the wrath Miss Johnson, my Sunday school teacher, be talking about for mass. Daddy never wanted nothing too permanent in the ground, except my mama, and that he never did accept too well. That black little rectangle just left the center, that's her. Small row of apple trees on the east of her. Don't know apple trees belong there in our part of the world, but don't know angels belong in the ground there either, my daddy used to say. He don't go out there no more. Don't pick the apples, just let them fall. Sometimes in the dying days of summer, I'd lay on top of my mama's plot, face down so she could feel me breathing. And I'd let my heart pound into her, hoping I'd feel something come back. I never prayed to no angels or heavenly father. I prayed to my mama, because after she got took from me and my daddy let his heart get to chasing after her, he never did belong to me again. He used to say she was a lily amongst the brambles. So I tries to grow them around the house, but daddy keeps digging up the seeds, leaves them on my night table. He say, putting a spit shine on a pair of boots with holes ain't going to stop the mud from getting to your toes. So... I pray to my mama this part of scripture that I heard from Miss Johnson. Mama, 
The winter is past, the rain is over and gone. The time of singing has come. Let me see your face, let me hear your voice. Until the day breathes and the shadows flee and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The flowers appear on the earth, but my daddy missed one. The seed must have fell out of my pocket while I was praying to my mama in my sleep. I've been taken to wearing a lily blossom in my hair, hoping my daddy will see me amongst the brambles, hear the voice of the turtle dove, see that the winter is past, and come back home. Infection. The first line of this is a quote from a poet who is unknown. My heart is a disease I want to infect you with. My words sit in the pit of my stomach, this indigestion of unease swarming. The fever of fear has deserted my tongue. The oasis is the only eye of the storm. The winds kick sand to dry out my eyes. I have not seen the stolen hole, the cresting dawn. This is not a fevered dream, but the fear looms heavy, the translation of a word in my blood. I can taste the bile of it clearly. I know its makeup, its origin, the curve of its genetic structure, but the fear, the dictating lurch of a head-on collision, the yank back of the belt to hold me in place while the present's metal cage collapses in on me, I am held tight in this mutated erosion, holding the split lip of the word in my teeth. I want you to taste the seepage, the swamp behind the silence, the sulfur and biohazard, the standing water and waste byproducts. I want to spit in your face to see the impact of its moisture, the savage savior of my oasis, bedrock itself to your pores to dig their way into you to witness your recoil against all I have hidden beneath the carcass of my tongue, the winter heavy soiled curtains in the exit ramp of my throat that I swallowed and choked on again and again. I wanna watch your skin soak in a word it cannot understand, to see what will sizzle in the light and what will be wiped away by the cuff of your disgust and collared hatred. I will be tempted in that look you give to me to grin back a toothy, you're welcome. As I linger on the drops you've unintentionally missed and wonder what broken thread of me has stitched its way in, what solitary scent hiding beneath the quivering floorboards of you has my diseased bloodhound latched onto, what bone will be pawing out in the quiet of your day. When stepping away from home for the last time, without knowing it's the last time. Instructions. On your first step, you will crane your head skyward. It will be as clear as you wish your conscience was. You will feel as if it is peering down on you. You will have the sneaking suspicion that rain should be falling. 
The skin on your hands will be compasses calling you back to your former north. You will carry puzzle pieces of the present and past. Nothing whole can cross the threshold. Looking back over right shoulder, every third step down your exit ramp, each glance will result in your eyes bearing more weight. They will feel they should be hoarding things. Note the execution of the architecture, the sultry smooth of wood and steel, the lack of sandpaper brick, and no matter the date of construction, you will feel as if there is a wall about to crumble on top of you. Your lips will clutch at the air for a word, but then will purse into whistling a tune you cannot recall the end of. So you return to the chorus melody over and over again. On the third head turn, your eyes will be audience to the broken promise rings scattered throughout the yard, weeds unpulled, welcome mat facing the wrong way covered with gravel and mud. The collective calligraphy of these will smell of a fire put out by starvation. When you reach the curb, you will scan the scene once more. It will be a summary a smudged crime scene with no details. You will not recall whether plants in the potter had been flowered, whether the living room curtains were pulled, the number of cars parked on the opposite side of the street, or even the position of the sun. Strangely though, the color red will be completely absent, as if erased, body bagged. It will not be raining, even though you feel it should be. As you pull away from the curb and your car, you will notice an avalanche of that color. Every fifth, then every third, then every other car. All of the cars you encounter will be red. At the first four-way stop sign you come to, you comply. As it blares red back at you, and as you gently accelerate through the intersection, you will feel a phantom tug on the cuff of your left pants leg it will not stop, it will not go away, no matter the bribes you offer the universe with the voice in your head. Thank you. Sound Pages is a Jack Straw production. The 2013 curator of this program is Stephanie Kalis. This episode of Sound Pages was produced by Jenny Cecil Moore. Recording engineers are C.J. Lazenby, Tom Stiles, Mo Preventure, and Steve DeTori. Narrator is Christine Brown. And executive director of Jack Straw Productions is Joan Rabinowitz. Theme music by the Seattle Jazz Composers Ensemble, produced through the Jack Straw Artist Support Program. The Jack Straw Writers Program is made possible with support from the City of Seattle Office of Arts and Culture, Four Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, the Washington State Arts Commission, the National Endowment for the Arts, the Paul G. Allen Family Foundation, Arts Fund, and individual contributors. All of the writers heard in this series are published in the Jack Straw Writers Anthology, available for purchase and featured online at jackstraw.org. Thank you for listening.